Hello and welcome to Country Roads Confidential for Earsports.com. The old and antiquated Earsports.com, which always wants that smoke. I am Mike Casaza. It is Friday, August 2nd. It's the end of a long day. An eventful day, a fun one, one that we have certainly looked forward to. And if I may say so myself, it certainly delivered, did it not? It's been a pretty eventful 28 hours. We'll cover all that in a minute. But some news yesterday some confusion in the evening and then a practice and a news conference and it was really informative and kind of shaped your thoughts or your suspicions got you excited maybe depressed you a little bit all up to you I don't know but for a first day kind of like it and these aren't normal circumstances for a first day a news conference a 30-minute window in practice especially early in camp can be kind of boring that was not the case this is the point where I usually welcome in Chris Anderson. Not today. He is tapped out. He's going to the beach. However, I am joined by my 10-year-old Beagle, and I only mention that as a precaution or disclaimer. Thunder. Heavy rain. I want to say it sounds like lightning, but I can't hear it, of course, and I can't turn around and look out my window, but I know there's thunder and heavy rain, and the old dog doesn't like that, so if you hear howling or whimpering or whatever. Not me. And we are working in front of a live studio audience today. Let's begin with the beginning, which was what happened a little early in the afternoon yesterday and kind of occupied our night. And I said yesterday I would talk more about this today once we actually figured some things out. So as you probably said so many times on Saturday morning in college, so about last night... What we heard was that Rayshon Lynn and Osita Smith, two safeties in the recruiting class, would not be here. Technically, the phrase was, is not expecting. And I'll get to that in a second. And that West Virginia additionally was expecting Brandon Yates. Um, the reason we say was expecting, was not expecting, these things are really hard to predict. And that certainly became true later in the day. Um, you talk to a lot of people, and sometimes you get a lot of different stories try to keep a small circle and obviously really trust the small circle there and it turned out to be 100% accurate they weren't expecting him they didn't show up so what happens in between why do we use words like not expecting or expecting you have a camp roster which has 110 people that's the max and frequently players are on there who don't show up because you don't know and it's not unusual to have one or two spaces that's left open for someone who may show up. It's not unusual for someone to be on the 110 and then vanish because someone did show up. That's kind of how you protect your bets in recruiting. So, yesterday, there apparently was no Osita Smith and no Rashawn Lynn on the 110. That's a pretty good indication that they're not expected at camp. They're not coming, right? And sure enough, today they're going to junior college, is what Neil Brown says. Whereas Brandon Yates was. Complicating matters here was that these are three pretty quiet guys on social media, um, and they didn't perk up a lot until the very end where I don't want to get into details because it's not my business and I don't want to go behind their paywall, but one of the players told another reporter that he was on his way. He'd be here. Didn't happen. So you can see how convoluted these things get, and you can see why tweets get deleted and sometimes it's it's dangerous to report certain information you get from certain people. But our story, from the very beginning to now, um, fortunately was accurate. 
and obviously pretty securely sourced. Didn't really waver on it. I was surprised to get uh, messages and tweets and texts about, hey, are you sure about this? Yeah, I'm sure about it. We, Chris and I went over this a bunch and had a pretty good feeling about who we talked to. Um, and again, this was obviously coming from the team about where things were and how things were standing. Let's move on to Neil Brown in his news conference today. Just two things I want to touch on. One, if you haven't seen it or read it, the monologue he opens with is incredible. He spends like a minute thanking the media, saying he understands their jobs, that they help the school with the, the image and the brand they're trying to create, that he knows that their job is to be fair, which means not cheerleaders, but not too hard on people. It was just very strange to be in a room in a football building and be catered to like that, spoken to like that. Um, I have put that on Twitter if you want to go take a look at it. Or just watch the press conference. It's the first minute of the press conference. Up to you. But it's pretty enjoyable, and the rest is really informative, too. Um, typical Brown stuff, I think, where he's very detailed where he wants to be, and then it seems like somewhat uh, reluctant that he couldn't give you more details in other spots, which, again, we'll get to in a minute. The other part, I just want to use this now because I'm sure we're going to use this later. Um, he has all these tall and long receivers, and he said they are open by birth which I really like. I can see t-shirts like that now. So do not be surprised if you see Sean Ryan, George Campbell, eh, maybe TJ Simmons, Bryce Wheaton, walking around with t-shirts that say open by birth. I'm going to be upset if Bryce Wheaton is not wearing a very mobile statue t-shirt, but I certainly understand. The big thing that came out of Brown's news conference that we did not yet know, he did confirm the information on Yates and Smith and Lynn, um, did not touch on Max Hayes, so I will do that now. Not here, and this is ideally 50-50, but probably trending the wrong way for West Virginia. Long story short, there seems to be, as I can tell, some confusion about when his five-year clock started, um, and the NCAA says A, West Virginia says B, and if A turns out to be right, then he will not be here. So they're going to have to find a punter if this goes against West Virginia. So that's one ruling that they're waiting on. Two more we can now surmise are the eligibility waivers for Sean Ryan and Jared Daigie. We suspected, Chris and I and maybe you, that it would be Ryan and Alonzo Adai. Brown today said that Adai is a traditional transfer and he will redshirt this year. He did not say that Ryan and Daigie are waiting waivers. He just kind of said he couldn't talk about their situations. Wink, nudge, that's where it's at. What I can tell you is that West Virginia feels pretty good about one, I would say, safe, and wouldn't have applied for the other one unless it felt it had a really good chance. The second one came really just two weeks ago, and the first one was much earlier in the offseason. And as I understand it, Sean Ryan's the one they feel good about. Daigie's the one that they've recently put in. Um, but even if that's not correct, they feel like they have a good chance to add two players. Ryan would be a big addition. Daigie, we'll get to in a minute when we get to some questions. But certainly wouldn't hurt to have him around, even if he's just there in case of emergency. And finally, two names that I think we want to keep an eye on, and we've mentioned them, and we've talked about them, and it just seems like that they could figure into things. One is Wheaton. Uh, a couple Sundays ago, I had mentioned that a handful of people that I'd heard about just in conversations with people across time. Wheaton was one name that kept coming up, and what I'd said was that he didn't really have a great finish to the spring, which could be hard, especially for young guys. 
but he'd been great in the summer, and Brown today said that he had probably the best offseason on the team, and he had a good practice today. So he gave himself a good launching point, and he hit the springboard today, it sounds like. So let's see where that goes, because if Ryan doesn't make it, Wheaton's a pretty good option outside. Uh, if Ryan does make it, they have some talent and some depth outside. Now, when you add Campbell, maybe T.J. Simmons, if he's not inside, you, you just get an idea. Now, there is some talent, some bodies, and some diverse bodies, too, because Sam James, who is not one of these 6'3 open-by-birth guys, is also out there. So that's good. The other one is to Corey Turner, and Brown mentioned him today just because he was describing who's new, and who is here that was not the last time he spoke. And he went over transfers and arriving freshmen. And this is one of them. And if you talk about Turner and you talk about safeties, you kind of wonder, man, if a guy is this good and a position is this much in need, could he do it? The issue there is that, yeah, boy, it's tough to put a guy back there. And probably at that cat safety position, who's a freshman and hasn't played, it can happen. Kenny Robinson, Drayvon Askew-Henry, really good freshman. They were free safeties, though. Um, to ask him to play cat, which is basically the strong side safety, may be hard. The great thing about cornerbacks as freshmen, or I guess freshmen as cornerbacks, is if you're gifted, you're fast, you're long, and you're twitchy, and you can run with people and you can bat balls down because it's instinct. You're confined to one side of the field, and it's easier. You just trust your gifts and what you've learned a little bit, and it's kind of like receivers. Hey, run this route and run this route. Well, corner is run with this guy and knock this pass down. You can teach him zone, things like that. If you have a base of knowledge, you can learn quickly. Safety is different. Um, all new assignments and out in space more. You're not confined to that one side of the field. So it's a little bit different. But Brown said he projects maybe to be a safety in the future. I've heard that before. He's really fast. It's something to think about. Who knows? Again, day one. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm about out of words that I have written or spoken today, so what I did was open it up to questions, and I have a couple that I want to go through, if that's all right with you. Um, I read them all. Thanks for all the uh, the input and the feedback and for responding to me. It would have been really awkward if I had asked and nobody asked, answered or responded to me, and it was just me asking, hey, does anybody want to talk to me? Ah, bummer, right? Didn't happen, though. Got a bunch, but here's what I'll say. Um, some things I'm just going to leave to just camp, so predictions on rushing yardage or pass-run ratio. Uh, maybe we'll get there in the future. It doesn't really change with what happened today. So what I've done is limit it to kind of what happens today and who was talked about today and things that just kind of fit into the canister of Friday, August 2nd, first day of practice. Sound good? So we'll mow through these in about 10 minutes, and then I'll let you get out of here. And we can all call it a day. First one is from Leighton. Um, he asks, does George Campbell have a chance at a sixth year? 
I've had this question a bunch, and I've never seen the logic. I think he's played too much. Um, played as a true freshman, I think 11 games. I don't have this in front of me, and I should. But played a lot as a true freshman, redshirted as a sophomore, had a season-ending injury, and I want to say he played four games as a redshirt sophomore. Came back, played seven games in 2018. So he might have played too much, and... You can massage these rules for eligibility and for medical hardships and all that, but pretty much you have to miss two seasons because of injury. Not sure. Certainly a question I can ask when I have a chance to, but my hunch right now is that no, he played too much. Um, jury's out on him, by the way. I've heard mixed things about him and how he is so far. Um, and again, the injury he's had, I believe it was a hip injury. Pretty serious, so let's see how he fares, especially right now when, you know, a lot of football in a short period of time for these guys. Uh, Vikitko seems Russian. This might be a troll looking at the question. Asks, are you remodeling your house just to fill the void left behind by Barry? Mike, denial is not a river in Egypt. Look, it's hard. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, the rain outside right now is fitting. This is uh, a somber occasion with no Barry Moreland on campus. Um, you know, I ate dinner at Clutch last night, and that was our spot. And it was not the same. It's lonely. But I have high hopes. And, again, everybody likes to make fun of me because the little corners that I stand on, special teams, walk-ons, fine. I get it. I like it. Um, at least I have a thing, right? Uh, and someone asked me in the Hey Mike thread last month, who would I have my eye on? And I gave you a list. And two, I think, are going to be at least in the conversation right now. And in fact, they already are. Neil Brown today mentioned fullback Jackson Knipper, as opposed to Nipper. So Jackson Knipper, who was a walk-on who transferred from Western Michigan. And if I have my rules right, the fact that he was a walk-on and was not recruited, he can transfer here and play right away. So no sitting out. So he's available. And he's a fullback. He's a straight-ahead masher who can stick his nose into somebody else's face mask and let a running back slide by him. Now, can he? I don't know. We'll see. Um, I mean nothing against him, but to be a walk-on at Western Michigan um, means you probably didn't pop up a lot in high school. Um, so we'll see what he can do. Not a lot of tape, not a lot of background, not a lot of credentials to him, but certainly interesting that Brown mentioned him pretty much um, as an arrival, kind of detailed his uh, spot in the roster and what it means, but um, that was interesting to hear. And the other one is Grayson Malashevich. Uh, we've talked about him, too. Um, I would not be surprised if you hear his name again. I think when I talked about walk-ons last week, I had said it just feels like a matter of time until someone is talking about him. And I had heard from too many players in Dallas or in the meeting room during the times we are allowed to talk to him this summer. I had heard his name just randomly too much to think it was like a trick they were playing on just me. Certainly that wasn't the case. But he's twitchy. He can run. He can catch. You know, he was one of the best players in West Virginia, which may not say a whole lot, but uh, it really wasn't a question. I think that he was at the top of the list. Could be a slot receiver. Spring Valley's had some good players throughout the years now. He's 5'9", 180. Let's see if he sticks on offense for four years, five years, whatever. But that's one name. Two names right now that Brown has mentioned that um, maybe we keep an eye on that could fill Barry's spot in my heart. And... I mean, Barry played defense, so I don't want to betray him. 
So I got to maybe field some offers on defense. And I'm going to keep my eye on two guys. Rashawn Lusain. He's a linebacker now, which means they moved him because they like him. He used to be a great high school wrestler. Uh, he is a junior now, so he's been around and he has some time. And let's watch Naim Muhammad. It may be Naim Muhammad. N-A-I-M. I'm sorry, Mr. Muhammad. But I've heard good things about him at Spear. He was a corner. And if they move a guy, they like him. So that's a possibility there. He might just be a depth guy. He may be special teams, but a freshman. Let's see where it goes. Next question. VT Hater. Since Daigie is now known to have a waiver in, if he's deemed eligible, does that change your pick at who wins the job? It doesn't. It might make it interesting because um, he could certainly rattle things. I think that the public consensus is that it's Kendall and it's either Kendall and oh no, not Allison. You know what I mean? Like they want Kendall or they just don't want Allison. If you throw a third guy in there, um, it certainly can complicate things and it can make one or both of them look bad in any given day. It can make Neil Brown's decision harder. Um, I just don't know what type of a, a runway he has right now. Um, today was his first practice. He's certainly done some things with the team in those player-supervised off-season settings. So that's possible that he's picked it up. I think he knows the offense pretty well. His brother was the quarterback for Neil Brown for two years at Tech. So I don't think he's coming in completely clueless. Um, I just don't think that he's going to get a chance to be the starter. I think the plan is to have Allison or Kendall start the games. Um, and then break out the classes. Those two would be seniors next year. Daigie be a redshirt junior, Lowe would be a sophomore, Garrett Green would be a freshman. I think Brown likes that balance. At the very worst, get the waiver. He's eligible. He can still travel. He can still practice. He could play four games in redshirt. Um, that's not a bad thing to have. So we'll see. I just don't think that he starts. Little McCoy asks, we have an entire dead period, and Chris waits until the opening of fall camp to go to the beach. Just kidding. I'm not. I know the depth chart has Trey Lowe listed as an or with the other two QBs, but is this really a two QB race or does Lowe have a shot? Um, so that's part one of the question. I think it's two. I think it's probably with Kendall closer to the finish line. Um, I do think there's a chance for Lowe to get in in certain situations. They have found ways to get like a dual kind of quarterback on the field before. Uh, Sean Reagan, the quarterback's coach, told me that they're open to that. They find a package. They find a spot in the field to do that. Uh, that could be it. Is he a red zone guy? Is he a wildcat guy? Is he, you know... Um, get him in early in the second quarter guy. They've done that before, too. They've tried to get a guy a series just so he can have that experience. So it's possible. It could be him. I don't know. It could be him or Allison. We'll see. Although splitting up that just-in-case series seems kind of productive if you give different people the shot. Second question. Uh, what are some new things you've seen in practice that you like with this new coaching staff? I know it's only been a day, but I'm sure you've already noticed differences. Well, thank you for letting me off the hook there. I'll, I'll say this. They're pretty good at getting guys from one spot to the other. Uh, drills are drills. I, I know that people say, oh man, look at this technique. These guys really sink themselves into drills. I have no idea what the heck that means. Every coach that I've seen in the past few years has done that. Eric Slaughter, who sells insurance now, was really good at that. Um, but these guys get you from Station to station, drill to drill pretty quickly. They're organized. I think they're trying to be an expedient and fit as much as they can into practice. Um, Three-hour practices are probably not the norm. You have that much time, but I don't think anybody wants to practice or practice their players for three hours. So if you can condense time and get them off the field but still be efficient, that's really good. So it sounds silly, but getting from A to B is really important. Uh, you know it wouldn't be a WVU fall camp. I'm sorry, this is dome defense. You know it wouldn't be a WVU fall camp if an important player didn't go down with an injury. Who is the most indispensable player on the team? I go with the dark horse. TJ Simmons, I don't think he's going to be the best receiver on the team, but he's the unquestioned leader of the defense, it seems. So losing him would be massive on field and off. Yeah, I think you're, that's a good point. Um, he's he's the voice, if not the face. Um, he may be their best receiver. He might be their best offensive player in that. 
you know, they could lose Petaway or McCoy or, I mean, heck, Allison or Kendall, and then you plug in the other one and be okay. I don't know there's a guy like Simmons. They may have a bunch of outside receivers, but Simmons is inside, mostly, who could play outside, and they don't have a guy who does inside and outside. They really don't have a second inside guy. That'd be a good one. I don't think I could argue with that. Um, any of the offensive linemen, that'd be bad. I mean, you can make a case for Chase Barrett. Uh, I'm going to go with Keith Washington just because that's the best thing they got going in the secondary, and the secondary is not the best thing they got going on defense. If you take the best part away from the, I don't know, the softest of the three levels, uh-oh. Back to Vikitko. Uh, you mentioned before that Chase is completely new a corner. Is that enough? And that enough is concerning. But what do his back sh- backup options look like? I think we know some of the suspects. It could be Mays. I mean, it could be Adam Stilley, the walk-on. I don't know. I will give you a name today that I heard. Don't tell anybody, all right? John Hughes. I think that they think he could be a five-position guy. Um, right away? I don't know. But... Five positions is his potential. WVU Doke 6021 asks, is Haskins wearing number 20? If so, do you think it's a sign he's taking on more of the H-back role or just a number change? He is not wearing 20. That belongs to Alex Singfield. I think that he was maybe wearing green number 20 today. I actually think that that was not him. I think that might have been, um, but I'm not sure. I think Haskins was wearing green 15. Either way, green numbers, there's just not a lot of them around. You don't have 99 of them, so you kind of get what you can get. Uh, One that fits, um, one that doesn't stink, hopefully, and one that, if you're wearing it, you're not wearing it very long, you hope. So, um, I would say that's just a day he was wearing that, and maybe he has a different number that's green on. The next time they practice, maybe it's the same number again. Um, He's still 84. 84 in the roster that we have, and 84 on the um, number chart we have. WVUEP07 asks, with Bucciagrossi out, your assessment of the offensive line and the struggles associated with finding guys is on point. It would have been on point before Bucciagrossi, to be honest. Anyway, given our shortcomings, how much of an impact does a guy like Knipper have? I have to think Brown is going to utilize a blocking back more to open up some run lanes and more efficient offensive options. We have to run the football. Is Haskins capable of being that hybrid type? Um, I would probably put Logan Timmons before Knipper. And I think there's some other guys who might even get a spot, too. Uh, Elijah Drummond's been around for a little bit. He could possibly do it. Um, and then, again, you're talking perhaps it is it is Haskins. I mean, they they asked him last year to kind of line up in an H-back spot but not do fullback stuff. Is he bigger, stronger now? Maybe. The problem with that is that requires testing that shoulder out pretty soon here. Not sure they want to do that. And then can he do that late preseason, early in the regular season? I don't know. So I'm, my, my hunch would be that he's not going to be that guy this year. In the future, perhaps. Um, and then finally, um, BDZL. With Max Hayes not being cleared by the NCAA yet, do you have any thoughts as to why Colton McGee shouldn't be able to take on kicking duties this year? On one hand, he is a freshman. On the other, he was the number three kicker recruit in the country last year. He is listed as a punter. I don't think they're going to kick him this year. They don't need to kick him this year. Um, Evan Staley is secretly really good. Um, could be one of the better ones in the Big 12. He starts the season with 12 straight makes. Uh, behind him is Casey Legg. And McGee's not a P slash K. He's not a K who might P. He's just listed as a P right now. By the way, so is Leighton Bechtel, who is a walk-on from Virginia. Um, pretty good high school athlete in different sports. So that's kind of interesting to me that he's here punting. And also, he's in camp which for a walk-on is kind of unusual, especially when they have two other punters on their actual roster. Um, Matt Daniel, another freshman, and Evan Mathis, the redshirt freshman who didn't have a very good spring. Um, They're on the roster. They're not on the camp roster. So at that 110 that I mentioned earlier, um, he's not on it. So 
That means that they like McGee, obviously, but they think Bechtel might have a chance to. I am looking at my clock. It is about that time, which means I'm out of it, and I am out of here. Thank you for stopping by. Um, thank you for putting up with me and not Chris. Thanks for the questions, and let's do this again real soon.